0: Um, so hey everyone watching um yeah we're gonna give a couple more minutes for people to trickle in um happy Friday by the way and as I was just talking to these fine young gentlemen about just now um despite whatever little bits here and there of like you know drama or whatever disagreements this last year i would say almost like after a few drama waves were dealt with has been one of the most cohesive dash worlds and communities I've seen in a very long time. Um, There was always this like tension, like since 2016, I guess when I started kind of bumping around the community, there was always this tension, whether people had a community versus DCG tension or whether it's between competing proposal owners during the um, 2017 on- onward like Dow boom, the money, the you know making it rain boom, and they're just a bunch of like like ah like, it's like mistrust and like jockeying for things. There's a lot more of that like stuff, and maybe it's just because the community sort of like contracted after you know the money went away, <laughs> and then there's less to go around. But I also, I just think that a lot of the existing actors are all kind of more on the same page. Like for example, um, I noticed for my own personal self, I had some more controversial dealings or opinions with uh, Ryan Gull of the Incubator in the past. And you know we've moved very much past that now where I'd call ourselves like 100% on the same team pretty much. And same thing with you know, DCG, I was always friendly with, but there was always like some, you know, there was some like, you know, oh man, some frustrations, some like feelings of I wasn't being told everything. Like, and now I just feel like it's back to part of the family, you know? So that's that's my positive note for this
1: whole thing. You know, did you have something to add to that, Troy? I had a comment.
2: It's, I think it's uh, dramatically better. Uh,
1: you know, you can. It is
2: a to agree that uh, Apple pie and motherhood are good. So we still have yeah. the occasional troll, but yeah. it's, it's so much better.
1: In the software world, we've long had this saying that developers would rather share a toothbrush than share agreement, even on like mundane stuff, right? So, so you know, crypto is largely an extension and overlap with software. So just kind of used to that. But yeah, that rancor had gotten pretty bad. I will say that um, it's been a concerted effort on the part of uh, a lot of people to contribute to that, uh, the trust protectors and DCG a year ago had to make up, I mean, you'll remember that Joel and, um, uh, Troy may have paid attention to that just as a community member at that time, but we just had to kind of call a truce and we, the trust protectors made some missteps and we said as much, and there were literal apologies, um, not, Mm -hmm. you know, giving up our role to oversee the DCG board, but, but, you know, if we, if we made mistakes, we said so. So... But then we kind of like on both sides, we said, look, you know, everyone just cool it. I mean, get it together here. We're all adults. And mm-hmm. and both sides really made a concerted effort. Um, DCG and, and, and the heads, the heads there. Um, uh, of course, we had an almost entirely new crop of trust protectors, but that was going to be a baton that was handed over anyway. And it mm-hmm. was passed. Like that message did go from last year's class to this year's. Uh, and then we got really cool cats in the mix like Troy, who's unflappable and um, <laughs> will never loses cool. So it makes all the difference in the world. You know, you got the right set of personalities in the room, so.
0: Yeah, I would definitely call, uh, call Troy the the anti-George Donnelly. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <So> <laughs> that's I, a
0: name we haven't heard for a long time, huh?
2: <laughs> I I spent a lot of time trying, trying to keep that team productive and on the reels. And I I wear it as a, a a pride thing that he kicked me off the teeth. because he, he just couldn't stand the accountability.
0: Yeah, he couldn't stand the niceness, you know,
2: and too you know, much. Like that.
0: <laughs> too much Ned Flanders for him, you know, just you know, <laughs> just all that stuff. It is pr- it is pretty funny. Um, all right, we're six minutes in. Let me just see where. Ash is watching for sure. Hi Ash. There's a few other people. Hey,
1: Dr. Francis.
0: Um and then yeah, anyone else wants to chime in, let me know. Um, Yeah, I think I'll maybe wait a couple more minutes. People tend to trickle in. Take a little and bit longer. And I could to just
2: uh, I could post the link on Reddit if anybody wanted to join us, right?
0: Yeah, well, um the thing is Reddit's not like a uh, the problem with Reddit's not like a current events like a happening, you know. Kind of thing. It's it's not like you post it and people. It's more like you post it and then people read it within the next hour, or two or three. It's not like it. Twitter, which is like instant. Which, by the way, um, if you go to my Twitter and you can retweet me right now because I I tweeted from both. Uh, I, re- I use the Dash community Twitter also to retweet it, but I retweeted cool. more live. So,
2: I'll just that might start be it up a thing there and see do. if somebody wanders in.
0: Yeah, i I have to say the um, uh, the link to this video. On Reddit, which I posted a couple days ago, um, is downvoted to almost nothing for um, reasons. So if you want to throw a fresh, you want to throw yeah. a fresh one up there, and maybe give it a second yeah. go, that'd be nice. Um,
1: yeah, let's see. All right, I just retweeted you.
0: Thank you. I am. Um, I feel like. Uh, a wannabe influencer begging people to you know please like and retweet you know
1: Yeah.
0: and i i I bet there's a certain individual who's you know out there look at this pathetic scum begging for retweets and anyway (laughs) there's always that all right i think that's enough banter it's eight minutes in let's actually roll the intro and then get back into this Well, hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, as I want to say, uh, happy Friday! Uh, welcome to the newest edition of the Dash Podcast 201. And I'm joined by the only, the only in the world Dash Trust protectors. Well, you're not the only ones on there, but you're the the ones who aren't camera shy. Uh, Solar guy and Patrick, aka I am Sigmund. How's it going?
1: All right. Good to
0: be with you again. Yeah. Other
1: than the after party, this is the second place, the second coolest place to be on a Friday afternoon.
0: Listen, we're going to have that too. Don't worry about that. Um, And before anyone tries to bring it up, no, I am not cosplaying as Patrick today. Um, We came with the same relative like hair, and you know, sweater, black sweater on our own. So it must be that, you know, and headphones, right? The whole look. Uh, buy this look for only $28 or whatever. It just happened to be please a coincidence. Yes, please retweet this look. Yes, yes. Retweet this look. Uh, <laughs> so before we dive into just stuff in general, I'd like to remind you guys, if you're at my Discord, you can go to the Dash podcast channel at any time and I'll put that little super chat up on the screen instantly. Um, also, if you're in the Dash Discord you can go poke over into the AMA podcast questions channel and throw some extra questions in there. And obviously, if you throw me some Ds on cointiard.ee slash the desert lakes, then yeah, I'll I'll put that up on the screen too. Especially if you complain in the regular YouTube live chat, hey, it's not showing up, I gave you some money and then I'll take your word for it and then we'll go. So, all that stuff, all the order's business taken care of. um, Let me just start and you know go from there so first off um the, the dash DAO irrevocable trust has been around for a while for a few years and it's kind of like a lot of new institutions in the radically new world of DAOs. Um it's kind of been in search of its place of its role and initially it's you know supposedly a thing to keep for example dash core group in check or I would not say in check, but like act as a counterbalance kind of monitor things like that. For a while, it seemed like the trust protectors from an outside perspective, maybe were um, like just kind of like showing up to meetings, being ta- talked to and just saying, all right, get okay. and then it ended up being that certain people within the trust protectors took a more adversarial and whistleblower type role. And, there's just a lot of stuff that has gone on since then. So what is the modern role of the dash trust protectors? What's, what do you guys do these days?
1: You go first, Patrick. Yes. Um, right. So there is kind of the practical role that you mentioned. Then there's the legal role. This is pretty innovative in terms of legal structure. So, you know, um, an irrevocable trust means that um, it's not revocable duh. Um, but revocable by whom so that means revocable by the grantor so whoever granted um, the assets to the trust can't take it back right so it's permanent except under really rare circumstances in this case the asset that was granted was granted by a dcg management and it was the shares of the corporation And so the shares of the corporation were granted into an irrevocable trust. Um, That's important because the only uh, people who can control the board of directors of a US corporation are the shareholders. Um, So the shares were granted into this trust. The um, trustee actually then becomes the single shareholder um, or representative of the shares, shareholders. and then there's trust protector, this trust protector thing was added into the mix. Um, as advisors, one of the things that we've done a lot of over the past, just the past few months, a lot of this in Q4, was to really uh, dig in and, and clarify exactly the details of this structure. Like, what does it really translate to in terms of legal role and um, legal obligations and all that good stuff? We worked a lot with the trustee on clarifying that, also with DCG's um, corporate counsel. So we really did um, spruce up our information on that. We're in the process of like documenting this and then updating the, the materials in the community about this um, so that it's all, uh, you know, brought current and so forth. So all of that is just the legal structure. So to try and state it in 10 seconds, The trust protectors um, advise the trustee, which is the uh, shareholder in control of the shares of the DCG corporation, which is to say in control of the board of directors and the board of directors in turn is supposed to be in charge of the overall operation and governance of DCG itself and its activities. So the legal structure is a done deal. and we've actually kind of tested it a little bit. So we had to reorganize the DCG board in Q4. Um, we were a little late in doing that, truth be told. So we actually then, it's like, until you've exercised some of these, like some of these contractual clauses or legal arrangements, you're not sh- totally sure that they're set right and that they work. But we, we we did that and it's it's working. So that's positive. That's just all of the sort of legal um, role of the, of, or setup of the Dash Dow Irrevocable Trust and DCG as um, the corporation involved in that trust, and then the trust protectors um, as protectors of those shares and of the trust and the corporation. Now, then there's the practical role. Like, well, what are these humans who are called trust protectors? What are they actually doing on a you know month-to-month basis? Um, and that is evolving, um, and we're constantly pushing the envelope on that and trying to expand what we're doing, um, figure out exactly the right um, uh, relationship with DCG, the rhythms and the processes of that relationship, how often do we meet, what what does the reporting consist of, all that good stuff. So so anyway, to fast forward um, to a a concise answer, everyone knows by now that I'm not great at concise answers, uh, but it is a little complicated in fairness. Um, The modern role I like I love the question what's the modern role like you know the whole thing is about is going on just 5 years old right and and we invented it all right I don't I've not I've not heard of a of an of an exact structure like this anywhere else in terms of the way we did it um there are all kinds of foundations in crypto and there are other DAOs and that kind of stuff but ours is really unique and really interesting and it's this really cool fusion of conventional uh, legal structure and then and then modern uh, crypto governance Anyway, the whole thing is kind of modern and cutting edge, but um, but the modern uh, role of the trust protectors is that. It's to fulfill this legal obligation that we have, which is really based on U.S. corporate law, um, although a lot of this is very similar in other parts of the world too. Um, and then the the practical role is to is to protect the interests of Dash, the interests of the masternodes, primarily focused on um, DCG as a corporation that we're involved in, but you know, uh for the dash community and the network as a whole i think there's a question later on about what else can the trust protectors do so we'll come back to that anyway troy you got anything to add to that or subtract
0: or multiply
1: oh i think troy is uh yeah you muted
0: yourself
2: help dash win that's it help dash win
0: yeah i think that's a great kind of overall perspective and as we're talking in the free in the um the kind of free chat portion before the, the official intro and stuff. It's kind of a more cohesive community now that it's sort of slimmed out. And so, yeah, the make, make dash win is kind of a good thing. So there's a bunch of questions all over the map. And I think that a lot of them are trust related specifically, but some of them are just like, you know, questions. So this one was in what month, this was from Twitter, by the way, um, in what month will dash, plat, dash platform enter the main network? And I've added in the IE when Evo. <laughs> so this is something so, that we've been asking um, Sam, Quantum Explorer, a lot, and we have you know, different answers depending on the time. You know, obviously things get the expectation set forth, or the the guess was right before the end of the year last year. Right, we'll have a release candidate one ready for rigorous testing for a couple months, and then and then release. At least one, as far as I know, is not out yet. Um, <clears throat> do you guys have any special visibility as trust protectors that someone like me, some like Rando um, on the internet, whatever, does not necessarily know?
1: Yes. Take it away, Patrick.
0: <laughs> when Evo, Patrick, right. you should know.
1: Right? Yeah, we should know. Um, I agree <laughs> with that. We should know. One of the... Um, <clears throat> One of the disciplines that was a little lacking with regard to platform was um, a data-driven um, project planning system. Um, we had some parts of it, but it wasn't really robust. So when I got involved in the interim CEO role, that was top priority. Um, and that's been in place since mid to late summer last year. Um, it's not a perfect solution, but it's um, you you got to have something. And it's got to be data-driven. There's no way platform is really complicated, really complicated. There's Mm -hmm. lots of dependencies, not just um, technical dependencies, but human resource dependencies, right? This person's out of the office next week or out of the office today, or this person's waiting on that person's commit or et cetera, et cetera. Um, There's no way you can just hold that in your head um, or try to sketch it on some kind of a a weak project planning tool, like list it all out in a spreadsheet or something. Um, So we do have, there is a data-driven planning system in place. Um, Balash Bezzi inside DCG has been doing yeoman's work, uh, managing that. Uh, Brian Foster has helped. I contributed some to that. Um, So such as it is the, um, what our system is telling us is um, that uh, platform is slated to go live on mainnet, live on mainnet. That's the other thing, gotta be very specific, right? So um, a release candidate on testnet, beta on testnet, releases on devnet, um, those are all very different things, right? So I, I noticed that a lot of the phrases are just kind of kicked around um, and sometimes they're used interchangeably. So we try to zero in on on production software, as we call it in the software world. That's That means um, platform live on mainnet, right? Because obviously, until you're live, until you're running production software, it, you're not. Uh, it's just kind of by definition, right? You're not live. You haven't finished the job. Mm-hmm. So, um, what the uh, planning system is telling us right now is May to be live on mainnet. Now, um, speaking of being data driven, th- there are lots of yellow flags, at least, in what mm-hmm. the planning system is telling us. Um, there are known unknowns. Right, so there's some of that. Um, a good planning system in software always tries to um, assess that. How unknown are the un, the known unknowns? But along with that, you're always trying to um, attach confidence ratings to the estimates that you're making. Software estimation is really hard, especially when you're working on hard stuff. So, okay, fine, but let's quantify that. Let's quantify the uncertainty. So in other words, you'll have, you know, medium confidence ratings or low confidence ratings or even no confidence ratings. That's the thing. So there is a fair amount of um, low confidence in that estimate um, in in the various parts that make up platform. And then there are the known unknowns, but then there's the real trouble, which is the unknown unknowns, right? Which by definition are not known at this point. We have a pretty sizable, you mentioned it a second ago, um, testing phase. Um, I believe it's now extended beyond two months on the calendar. And there's a lot of work that's going to be done in there, and there are a lot of problems that are going to be found. Um, so to the extent that there are unknown unknowns, that's where we're going to find them, and their impact is, is also unknown. So that's where um, the best guess right now is May, uh, to be live on Mainnet, but we are watching that really, really closely with DCG. Um, we're talking about it constantly. Um, so that's all we can do at this point. Yeah, My I impression believe...
2: If I could Here. just add a little bit, as a, as a non-technical, non-developer person, the, what I have seen through Trust Protector information is that we have an order of magnitude more detail about everything that has to happen before it can go live. And so this is the best estimate we've ever had based on the data, but it's still an estimate.
0: <laughs> yeah. it's so I just, I hearken back to the bright eye, bushy tail, years of 2017 when it wasn't May, but it was the following month. It was June, June 2018 was going to be the Evo month. So, you know, I mean, give or take five years, give or take five years. We're on target, on target, you know?
1: Yeah. So that was a mistake. I mean, hindsight's 2020, (laughs) right? But, um, but embarking upon um, such a comprehensive um, all in one release, was a mistake, we, we should have been more iterative and rapid release um, mm-hmm. oriented. And we're, there's an effort to get back to that Sam's working on the whole team's working on, it. we will get back to that we have to, because you can't continue to try to work on um, these overwhelmingly large um, releases, um, mm-hmm. especially in general, that's a difficult thing to do. But in our particular situation, with the manpower that we have and the money that we have, it's just a showstopper. Anyway, but, uh, but the problem, too, is that there was approximately zero, um, what I would consider professional-grade software planning that went into those early estimates, um, and, and zero quantification, right? Um, I, 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 as best I can tell, there was zero. It's just best-guess estimates um, by some of the folks involved in the planning of it, um, developers, and so forth. But uh, obviously, those were way, way off, so... Um, Yeah. So we're in better shape now, but um, we do still have some unknowns that we're dealing with.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Um, May, June. Yeah. That's one of those things where this is where it it could extend to like a fantastic um, number of things where um, it could like what platform is, uh, how it could take shape is kind of very much sort of up in the air. Um, and, and I think it's kind of interesting. I like playing the what-if game as like a a side, a creativity exercise, a side narrative. It's not, does not have bearing on today. And as long as we keep that in mind, we should be there. But the what-if game is like, what if things had been more iterative? It's like, okay, well, I think that Dash's market position would be significantly better today. Um and, like, if we'd been like, all right, let's just do an iterative release of like a basic username setup, that all it is is just a basic little bit of data that resolves to someone's XPub key, you know, and just does a new address whenever he sent it. And it's just that's it. And then what happens if you add a thing here? What happens if you focused on trustless masternode shares first instead of other things? And then now you got this like crazy data platform, which, um, in some cases, I, I'm wondering what the value proposition is going to be at the end of the day instantly because a lot of people just said like, great, can it do these five things? It's like, well, we need smart contracts for that. So the answer is kind of no, but then it sounds like adding basic smart contract functionality should be relatively easy afterwards. That's what I've heard as well. But so here's the, the thing. This is the other thing that I don't think we can ignore is Dash was a ragtag group of just a couple of like community developers making very little money. Um, and then the 2017 boom happened under the Ryan Taylor administration, so to speak. and a lot of money went everywhere. And we I don't really feel personally. I don't really feel that lack of money too much today. Like I kind of feel like Dash at 200 one to200 dollars, is today is equivalent as far as treasury spending capacity is equivalent to dash at a thousand before just because like, where does that go to the current? um, And Sam has mentioned this in a bunch of different public forums, but where it seems like the, the quality of delivery being achieved by this small lean team seems to be orders of magnitude greater than before. And so, I almost wonder if dash would have just ended up as if it had released iteratively, if it could have possibly ended up like another, you know, not to bash like EOS or Solana or something flush with cash, doing new stuff all the time, but like just kind of like bloated and directionless, not, not lean and focused. And I feel like the lean and focus of poverty (laughs) for what, you know, whatever it is, has kind of made dash a lot better And now we just need to just be not quite so poor, but like maybe Evo, as it were, is going to be really fantastic now that it's going to be out soon and which I've been saying for years, but whatever, (laughs) it's going to be out soon. And then hopefully we get like a bull market pop with some stuff and then can put money into efficient means rather than inefficient means. And obviously, I do think that more money is going to mean more inefficiency. Unfortunately, just is what it is. However, for example, I do know that the Brave browser ad campaign that I've been running is like outperforming most of Brave's internal like benchmarks for their own things. And so, um, it seems like we figured out that a good way to just throw excess money. Once we have extra. Products to advertise, extra things. Now we're starting to get like our promotional thing. Where now, like our poor selves are starting to earmark inefficient ways, ways of spending money we don't have. But at some point, we might have that money. In which case, you know, yeah. All right, let me try to to boot this guy here. Um, Yeah. Anyway, carry on in the meantime.
1: Yeah, we're not we're not going back. We're not going back to undisciplined um spending and lack of focus mm-hmm. um in our roadmap and lack of product user-focused product-driven development we're just not going back that that um focus that you talk about that focus mm-hmm. will get sharper throughout 2023 um because for now uh, we do have a money crunch um and uh, we are getting more roi a lot of that has to do with um rehiring and reorganization um sam obviously that was his first focus um, when he stepped in as CTO. It eighty percent of the team, or something like that, and so that's a lot. That's a lot of change <laughs> on any team, um, but in particular for uh, for what platform was um, and and where it was in its development and all that. So, um, yeah, I agree with your with what you're saying there. I think we're going to see more of that focus for sure. But man, come hell or high water, we cannot go back to uh, even, even as things, um, improve, right. And the price improves and we get a little bit more flush. We just can't go back. Yeah. That's uh, that's not how I would choose
2: to get smarter about how to handle money, but it's what happened. So, and now we're smarter about how to handle money. So this is where we are.
0: Yeah. I'd have to say like the diff. Also went through, which would be great to have the diff supervisors on at some point in the future. But the diff also went through their own interesting period of just, well, what are what are we supposed to do? What are we spending money on? Oh, we only operate during bull markets because, like, it didn't. The diff didn't get enough money during the bull market to really have money for the bear market. You know, although in some of these investments, right? I mean, some of them have done quite well. Um, for example, I mean, I don't know. I don't know any specifics and it's probably for the best that I don't know any specifics, but it seems like Ionia slash Crepe probably has more employees than dash right now. <laughs> you know, it's is around, uh, I think around 60 or so employees. So like they're doing quite well and, or they're, they're at least growing quite rapidly. I see their stuff. I interviewed Marshall the other day and like in a week, about a week, I'm going to put out the, uh, the thing, but they're working on some crazy things too. And like that, that is one of those shining, examples of the diff getting things right but then yeah again we have the opportunity to try again with more capital in the future and you know who knows maybe it'll be a diff decision that on some of these strategic investments and that did not kind of turn out like ionia where it's like you're advancing a partnership into a very valuable thing in the future Or it might be something like say a valkyrie where it's like well, okay maybe it paid off but it did not expand the dash ecosystem that you get to divest in a way which either gets you in somewhere else or pumps the price in some way that gets people all excited and then the devs get more money and all this kind of stuff um about one last thing about the money thing before we move on that um i do i i've been happy to see a lot of the um the non-dcg parts of the dash ecosystem stepping up over the last couple years uh with like for example the incubator taking the lead on ThorChain, which is now kind of morphed into a, the Maya kind of integration and all uh, getting to work on Electrum, getting to work on AnyPay and other stuff like that, but also um, like Crowdnode, taking a big step up in becoming a valuable kind of thing. And in that vein of that, I'd like to help out some community members in a series of every other month decision proposals on improving... Dash, which, like, right now we got the Evo name one that's up right now, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, but I'd like to hopefully, by the end of this year, explore dis- a decision proposal on a reallocation uh, that m- increasingly favors minor masters over miners, as well as a 20% treasury. I think those would be good things to happen. You know, the personal opinions here, right? And that's why the investors can just say no if they want to. I'm like, all right, never mind. But to basically giving more avenues for staking income for new people buying Dash, as well as giving the treasure the treasury, the startup capital portion of the of the Dash network's funding, much more like flexibility to actually pay more developers, hire, you know, put out more marketing, all that kind of stuff. And then at some point when that's done well enough, people can just not spend the whole 20%, spend 12%, spend 8%, whatever, and it just contracts. And yeah, that would be fun. So, big long ramble on that.
2: Amen, so, the, that. Per, so first off, I think it's a yes. huge improvement that we switched the the cost of putting up a proposal from five dash to one dash. Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, since, since forever, a huge proponent of, more and better communication. And, you know, this is mm-hmm. that the proposal system with a small price tag, I think is gonna be a substantial tool in that toolbox. You know,
0: it was funny. I knew this guy in December of 2017. It was like three to five days before, it was like three or four days before the proposal deadline for that month. And that's what Dash was like twelve fifteen hundred $1,500 a coin. And he just says, hey, man, I got this cool idea for like a Dash proposal. I'm going to put in a proposal. And I'm like, okay, well, it's like a day before. Like, let me read it first. Let me let's try to introduce you to the community. He's like, too late. I already submitted the proposal. I'm like, what? And then like within like a couple hours, there's like 400 down votes. He's like, oh, oh, well, I tried. my I'm <laughs> just like, you just Oops. blew like six to seven grand just for nothing, like what the And at least with a one dash proposal fee, that would have, that case would have been better. Um, yeah. And by the way, hi Peter. He's in. Peter, of crowd is in the chat, so just saying hi. Uh, Shout-outs t- shout
2: to Crowd note They they have done so much for the Dash community.
0: Yes, I made a, some possibly annoying jokes about Marshall Standard Time about the the delivery schedule versus estimates of like Ionia's stuff. Um, but uh crowd node standard time they're on like the trains run on time, time, you know, like it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Uh, so the next question here, this is more specifically for, well, it's for all you guys. After Patrick stepped down as interim DCG CEO, are the trust protectors still in search for a permanent Dash Core group CEO?
2: So, uh, so I'll give the speed answer. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a little more sophisticated than that though. Uh, there's different ways you can search for high caliber personnel like that. So one way is you can hire uh, a headhunter firm that specializes mm-hmm. in crypto stuff. And that, that is not inexpensive. So we are not doing that, but there's a lot of groundwork that has to happen before we get to that step where we have to. Write a job description, and so Patrick has, you know, really pushed that message home at DCG. We need to have accurate job descriptions, and I'm sure he has stuff to add about that as well. But the short answer is yes.
1: Okay. Yeah, um, we we made some contacts at the Moonclave conference specific to crypto headhunting that was in Aspen in August. Um. But when we just sized it up, you, you've got to put your best foot forward, If you're, especially if you're going to pay for retained search. It's really expensive, and there's been serious inflation in a lot of those professional services offerings too, especially those that um, tap into labor markets because the labor markets are still so weird. So um, we're, we cannot afford to throw a bunch of money at something that either produces the wrong candidate or doesn't produce a candidate. So there's just a whole lot of planning that has to go into that. Um, I obviously had that really close inside look in the interim CEO spot for three months. Um, so a lot of information gathered and we've been working on the job description and as Troy said, we've been searching, but we're not hitting the gas pedal on that just yet. That's kind of part of just overall recruiting. We're not hitting the gas pedal on recruiting overall. We need to recruit more independent board members as well. It's a really important priority. There again, it's a difficult recruiting environment, um, all things considered. So um, we're mostly in um, maintenance mode. We, we can talk more about it if you want. We went through a lot of stabilization of DCG. It's always, um, especially for um, more recent uh, uh, trust protector thinking and philosophy, is the stability of DCG is always the top priority. So whether it has to do with scandal and rancor in the community or financial problems or legal fiduciary problems, like the lack of um, of sitting board members. It's always our top focus. So we put a lot of focus on that, especially in Q4. Um, We, you know, in the course of a calendar year, the entire C-suite exited DCG little by little, right? Starting with Bob Carroll, the CTO. Um, Well, um, based on the way that this board was organized, that also meant that we were down to a single sitting board member. Legally speaking,
0: mm. big I problem. Look at um, me. Okay. I am the
1: board now. <laughs> yeah, 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 big trouble. Right for all kinds of reasons. Right, concentration of power, uh, you know, fiduciary stewardship, and all that good stuff. Um, anyway, we got that part stabilized, but that was like the big recruiting effort of Q four. Um, and anyway, so we're keeping an eye on the other recruiting efforts too. But um, but for the most part, we're just making sure that we're stable and then keeping an eye on, on what the delivery schedule looks like for platform. And then we'll be able to know what decisions to make from there on out.
0: Yes. And of course, money is always good with all this. I wanted to pay people like help. a CEO.
2: And, uh, and we would also appeal to the dash community, you know, before you know it, it will be time for, uh, elections for trust protectors and we're interested in thoughtful, motivated people that care about Dash mm-hmm
0: and also who aren't super stretched thin and doing other things well although maybe that's all you
1: got <laughs> yeah same thing for the dcg board let's put the word out today anyone who wants to do a lot of hard work for little money and by little i mean none we're not compensating board members yet <laughs> um we need it we need objective outsiders um who can really roll up sleeves and contribute to uh, helping dcg as a corporation get to the next level so please send us your resumes get in touch with us oh that's an important detail um, did Troy send you the new website joel
0: um i maybe but i think i went there on my own earlier
1: because um org. it's the trust protectors first ever official web presence
0: nice yeah i see since the last time cuz i got the logo for a screenshot of that little starry dash logo for the thumbnail of this this video so that much there what i can see now is um actually i'm just going to um i might as well i I might as well actually um um put it up on the on the screen let me actually see if i'm set up to do that right now um maybe not okay whatever but you can just go. It's just a website. You can go there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one so thing I do know, progress. just make sure you get rid we're of all those, um, the old Dash logo on all these yeah. <laughs> bits.
1: A lot of it's a p- lot of pirated um, intellectual property, their image, images especially. But yeah. Um, uh, but the point is, um, this is now going to be the, the place to go to get in touch with us, to ask questions, to complain, etc. So more coming soon.
0: Yeah. I mean, that sounds good. Um, so next order of business. Do you work with DCG management on changes and improvements in the delivery process because of the very low predictability and reliability of the current setup? If yes, what are the changes you propose and work on? If not, are you planning to do that and possibly when?
2: So, I'll, I'll give the speed answer. Then Patrick mm-hmm. can uh, really flesh that out. So um, historically, that's been the biggest weakness to the sort of homegrown, in your garage, uh, the start of the dash programming team, the dev team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't professional. Was not professional. It was amazing. Evan was a genius. Uh, it was not professional. So, so yeah, a lot of effort to make it more professional. And I'm sure Patrick can flesh that flesh that out in ten different ways.
1: Yeah. Um, it's constant. It's a constant process, but it's a balancing act, right? So um, especially when I was in the interim CEO role, this is the point of a CEO is to orchestrate everyone to be rolling in the same direction towards the right stuff, right? And not towards an iceberg. Um, so the one practical thing that we could actually accomplish was a data driven roadmap and deliver an associated delivery schedule. Um, so that's in place. But the the more change that you implement the more disruption you're going to have so we had to make judgment calls about what not to change um and what to leave as is so we've also left a lot as is um, so that's the yes and no answer um, over time though it is something that we're watching really really closely um, in particular via so i'm not the interim ceo any longer but um, just to make sure everyone's up to speed I'm a voting member sitting on the DCG Board of Directors. That's also the first time that's ever happened, that a trust protector has actually had a dual role as a voting member of the Board of Directors. As far as I'm aware, it's the first time that a trust protector was involved in the DCG Board in any capacity, because of mm-hmm. course the board oversees the organization, everyone reports to the board, the board's supposed to hire and fire at least the CEO, but possibly you know all the executives and all the leadership. So that started with um, just an observational role a year ago, the February of 2022. Um, And then that evolved um, through to the interim CEO role, and then um, now to um, a voting member of the DCG board. In any case, that's not the CEO role, but it does give me a pretty much constant daily, weekly insight into um, the operations at DCG So that's one of the ways that we're um, watching and observing and learning about what to do next. So, yes, um, we are constantly um, looking for more changes and improvements to make. Another one is a performance management system, a formal goal setting and uh, measurement system for results. Right. Doesn't exist. um, And it's really hard to do. And you can screw things up if you do this wrong. Right. Um, Everyone hates it. It doesn't measure the right things, but there are a lot of really good. That's it's not to you shouldn't bash the whole effort, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of good goal setting, alignment, performance management systems, and that's definitely a top priority. But here again, you have to have certain things in place and you got to do this the right way, otherwise, it's just going to be a mess. So that's another area where, yes, we've identified changes to make. No, we're not just like pulling forward and trying to impose stuff because the disruption risk is, is too great right now. We're trying to just stay focused. And uh,
2: yeah. huge, huge shout out to uh, Quantum Explorer, Sam, mm-hmm. uh, for being so forthcoming once he became, uh, you know, chief technology officer. It was a huge improvement. Uh, and the structural change of having a trust protector on the DC bo- DCG board. I mean, that's, I think, uh, a huge mm-hmm. part of why we have more and better communication and just less, you know, less chaos because, uh, you know, poor information transfer.
0: Yeah, and that's, I mean, we're going to get to one of those things soon, but um, the dual role is kind of an interesting role because um, the board runs ECG and the trust protectors kind of run the board, right, You are supposed to be able to you know, remove board members if need be and things like that. And kind of the dual role does sort of bring up a thought that has been communicated before, which is why have a board and a trust? Why not have all trust protectors immediately automatically become board members and just kind of skip that layer of bureaucracy?
1: Yeah, and I've heard that same suggestion, and um, I think that we can have both, and there are advantages to having both, but it's but without the, um, the extra bureaucratic layer and the inefficiencies you get from that. So um, there's also supposed to be this line between the trust protectors and the operations of DCG. That's kind of written into the arrangement, even from the very earliest um, writings about it, like Ryan's uh, detailed writings. But where you draw that line is, is not blatantly obvious, and it can change over time, right? So mm-hmm. um, just based on circumstances. Um, so ideally, though, uh, DCGs, just like any corporation should have a really strong independent board that makes mm-hmm. sure that the corporation delivers results, right? That's the reporting yeah. accountability to the board. Now, um, I think there's still Really interesting advantages for having the trust protectors available, in particular because they are directly elected by the masternodes. Um, <clears throat> so that is a modern crypto governance relationship, right? Um, which you wouldn't have if you just had a regular corporate board. You have like votes and then meetings and annual mm-hmm. meetings, general assemblies, and all that. But um, I like the fact that the trust protector entity is is directly accountable in the form of voting uh, to the masternodes so that's unique and i think there's some other advantages then to having the trust protectors as a kind of board over the board it's just an additional level of oversight and accountability so as long as you don't like you say don't get bogged down in bureaucracy and paralysis of process and all that crap then then we're just we have an advantage over the conventional structure and so forth
0: yeah, I think it's also like there's a, a personnel limitation, right? Where there's just so many, there's only so many people who are willing to do any of this stuff, and sometimes it might make sense at this stage of you know a skeleton crew kind of DCG and trusted and board, and all that stuff for a lot of the bo- a lot of the trust protectors to dual to moonlight as board members, and then we can. There's just random thought i haven't thought of thought it over too too much but to just kind of do that and then once let's just say the price is three thousand a coin oh no and everything's going and big and then dcg is a giant organization now and all this stuff then maybe it's time to like start filling in people into the trust protector spots and then filling a completely different set of people into the board and then you have a proper ceo of dash Court group and but and then the diff is running and all like all that stuff runs more when, when stuff is booming. But in the meantime, you just sort of, for efficiency's sake, kind of combine the hats.
1: Right. We did just do that. You know, we were trying Mm -hmm. to recruit external board members to the DCG board. It's been a long time, um, two straight, um, classes of trust protectors have been trying to work on this. Um, but to Mm -hmm. your point, Joel, it's, um, it's difficult to recruit. When well, we found ourselves um, with an incomplete DCG board. We had no choice, in my opinion, but to mm-hmm. take DCG staff and put in the four of the five members of the DCG board are employees of DCG. That's completely out of whack in terms of the, the optimal structure. Yeah, but of course. But we had to like to your point, it's a difficult recruiting environment. You can't not have uh, directors. It's like legally it's it's risk the trustee. Uh, gets wind of that and, and we're in bad shape, right? And then they start talking about, oh, well, we obviously have to sunset the corporation because we're not meeting legal obligations. So, yeah, you know, there's some be terrible. risk there. And and I'll say I took some heat. Um, that's fine. Um, I'm here to take heat. It's my job for having um, an all DCG board again, except me, I'm technically not any longer. Uh, but I'm obviously still a Dash insider. So even that is not really an independent um, board member so but the whole story is that well we we just didn't have much choice and by the way the four people inside dcg are solid human beings and they have a long-standing commitment to dash and dcg so it's not like we you know put the uh the board in in bad hands so
2: anyway
0: yeah that makes sense and
2: it's and it's up and running again there was there was a time when it, it was not up and running and it was legally legally uh it was very risky. Uh, yeah. When your trustee so, says, "Yeah, people were critical," oh, right. that, you know we filled it with internal people, but you know it, it was yeah. risky. We had to get through that, and we did, and it's up and running.
1: When your trustee says, "Hey, where's my annual financial statement?" But your CFO resigned, who was also a board member, by the way. How do you answer mm-hmm. that question? You better have a good answer because that trustee has some legal authority over your entity. So, yeah. anyway, we had to hustle, but we got we it all stabilized. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, to hit this other one, it's kind of nice segue. Do you think it's healthy for the trust protectors to be so cozy with DCG?
2: I I laughed when I when I read that on the uh, on Reddit on Dashbait. Yeah, and, just uh, the
0: way it's phrased is full of fud kind of. So, but it's it's so a, there, there's, the root question is valid sort of.
2: It, it is a valid question, and I'm glad they asked it. And I, you know, I appreciate goofy questions and sometimes even troll questions. And, and the response was, uh, trust me, we are not so cozy that you should be concerned. There have been heated uh, debates and conflict and, and it was resolved professionally. And uh, so thank you for asking, no, we're not too cozy. Uh, and you gotta be in there to know what's going on. So like, that's why I made him define
1: cozy, right? yeah what i was smiling at was not the question i think it's a great question absolutely we need to have objectivity um independence right that's how you have accountability right um you just can't have conflicts of interest right or insularity or circularity right so that's where coziness is um absolutely anathema to good governance what i was smiling at was the fact that um the question now before the in the community is hey, are we too cozy? remember a year ago, the question was, hey, what the hell are the trust protectors doing? They're lighting DCG on fire hmm. or they're inflaming fences in the community. So it was the opposite of cozy. Exactly. A year later, it looks a little too cozy. So I think that means we've done our job in terms of settling things down a little bit.
2: If yeah. by cozy, you mean a severe
1: lack of drama
2: that, oh yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. You're cozy with someone because the knife is no longer at their throat anymore. You know? Yeah. and it's kind of funny though like um on a, a absolute tangent right but I can I view all information even lies as truthful to a certain extent because they always reveal something about at least the person who's saying them and their motivations or if they're lying about something and that this is not to and any of the above was a lie at all but if they're lying about something that there must be their lie is constrained by the actual truth. And so when you have people criticizing, like saying like, you guys are crazy fire brands, you guys are like burning DCG to ground. And then versus you still are being criticized, right? As far as like being too cozy now, at least the pendulum of that kind of reflects the, the reality of the position of, you know, maybe you weren't too firebrandy back then. Maybe you're not too cozy today, but at least, at least there's either been a change in the way the trust is operated, the way the trust protectors of the the relationship is at least changed, or it hasn't changed, and haters are attacking it from two different angles. And the fact that they're not sticking to one angle means that you're right in the center where you need to be. So, just some thoughts on like, you know, how truthful things can be, regardless of you view them as gospel or not
1: yeah but anyway to the to the point of the question there um just so that it's clear um we are absolutely in favor of objectivity and accountability and independence um and the opposite of coziness there's the age-old um pearl of wisdom right which is that familiarity breeds contempt and there's a reason that 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 pearl of wisdom has been around for i don't know thousands of years it's the stuff of shakespeare and the bible and so forth um you just have to be it's human nature you've just got to be careful about the kinds of arrangements you create and so i'm looking for there was a there i'll throw this out too there was a a suggestion at one point along the way um that maybe all of the trust protectors or a larger number of trust protectors serve concurrently on the DCG Mm -hmm. board and for this for on this very topic i didn't like it um because i just thought that it moves us too close um, and to, to co- even if it's not coziness, but it's just too much closeness, a lack of separation, division of labor, independence, and objectivity. So, um, yeah, I'm mm. I'm a big believer. In that, so.
0: Yeah, well, let's hit on this one here then. Um, in the past, the trust protectors have served as an inside look into Dash Group, providing transparency. Sam Westrich has been much more of an open book, however, with complaints of DCG's opaqueness. Going away almost entirely. Which, by the way, I'm just going to um, reflect on that fact a little bit. I have not known a single month since 2016 where people have not complained about the lack of communication between DCG and the community until now. You. up until, you know, I would say the last year. I guess it was, um, you know, 2022 basically. <laughs> it's been like... I have not heard complaints about that largely. I've heard of of every once in a while, What are you working on Wednesday? I don't know a deadline and stuff. But then I feel like all the actual information surrounding release dates has been communicated, even though there's no concrete ish answer. But anyway, so finishing the rest of that is do you think the change in the de facto again, not de jure, you know, because Sam's not the leader of DCG, but he's kind of the figurehead, the guy moving stuff forward. Uh, Do you think that change has made the trust protectors obsolete? Or if not, what work still remains to be done?
2: So this has um, several answers. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get the speed answer. So why did it get better? Because the trust protectors worked their ass off and DCG worked their ass off to make it better. So if we stop
1: working our ass off, guess what? It will get worse. Mm
2: Mm-hmm
0: yeah okay yeah. so I buy that the
1: the fundamental requirement of um, a healthy DCG has not been met, and thus um, <laughs> the trust protesters are anything but obsolete and I'm not saying that um, for personal reasons because I am one. I don't care who's a trust protector or if I don't get reelected or don't run again in March it is it's the most important time, and anyway, that is to have um, a strong healthy, independent board of directors for DCG. It's the number one job of the trust protectors. We don't have it yet. We have a good board. I vouch for it. And I took a lot of arrows for vouching for it. Um, but it's not what a corporate board should be. And we're supposed to be governance innovators, right? So I mean, if we're not even meeting the standards of the old world's standards of excellence for governance, then all the stuff we're saying about DAOs and DAO governance and all that just kind of becomes less meaningful. So We need to make sure we're at least meeting those standards and then, of course, exceed them with the unique things that we bring in terms of having a DAO and governance and treasury and all of that. Um, The other thing that I will say is that um, it has always bothered me as a leader of such as I am, um, the amount of work that Sam puts in and being the face of the organization, Um, because I know how damn busy he is and I know how complicated platform is. So he's really in kind of a dual role. He acts like the, um, t- you know, chief communications officer. Um, sometimes CIOs um, do a lot of the external communication. It's really unforgiving, and it's and everyone sees it. And sometimes sometimes it's hours a day. Um, so yes, um, that transparency has definitely calmed things down. It's definitely an improvement. Um, it is not the right way for DCG to be organized in terms of division of labor, and it's really unfair for sam he'll never agree to that that it's unfair because he's he loves uh being transparent he loves communicating so that's all fine and great but we really should fix that so we should say thanks for sam for fixing that and adding to that transparency Um, but we should really tune the organization a little bit more um the other thing i wanted to point out about the question is that in the course of all the disruption over the last calendar year you could even go a year and a half if you back up to bob carroll's departure um and then Sam taking over a lot of reshuffling and rehiring and retraining under his watch. And then Ryan, Robert, uh, and, and Glenn, right. Um, in the course of all of that um, departure and disruption, a lot of the transparency things stalled, they went away, like DCG was was reporting regularly to the network every quarter that stopped, like a year mm-hmm. ago, um, including like financial updates, even just the brass tax financial updates to the network. Uh, Brian Foster, in particular, in his new role taking over a lot of uh, Glenn's responsibilities and being a member of the board, has done Yeoman's work on all of that, and we just got back to doing it again. But a lot of the transparency actually regressed, um, because we just didn't have the time and the people and the process of, of talking to each other on a regular basis. Anyway, to the point of the question, I. It is great um, that uh, Sam, in particular, has added to the um, transparency, but there's still a lot more that needs to be done on on all of those things. Um, official transparency, regularly scheduled transparency, like reports to the network, including finances, the board in particular. So there's just there's a ton of work to do. There's more work now than ever. And oh by the way, when Evo is live, that wow. work's going to increase yet more. Right, <laughs> so yeah said yeah.
0: Like- yeah not if because it we were we're making it eventually um so that reminds me of this little question um about much of the tp's work focuses on dash core group now the Dash, you know Dash DAO irrevocable trust at least was pitched to us as a legal entity that allows the DAO to own property and assets, and almost the entirety of its focus has been on, as far as I know, all of its focus. Although that could be, I could be misled there or have you know, incomplete information, uh, has focused on Dash Core Group, and you know, it's like the big girl in the room with the most like property and resources that we care about what happens to them. that makes sense. But is the trust ever going to or is there how much merit or is there to the idea of the trust kind of putting its fingers in other pies or having other dash funded organizations <clears throat> under the purview of the trust in some way, shape or form? Does it even make sense? It just I don't know, just throwing that out there is it just is the trust is the the trust? A DCG check and balance, or does it have other potential roles outside of DCG?
2: Yes. So, uh, so for example.
0: Uh, Side note, um, I, I love the way you answer questions, because even when there's a longer answer, you start with the conclusion first, so I know what the answer is. This is a constant dispute with the wife over this, where it's just like, hey, are you hungry? Well, I already ate. Yes, but are you hungry? Like, thank you for the additional information. I want us to hear yes or no first. So, thank you yeah. on a personal level for that.
2: So yeah. So the immediate short answer is yes, and uh, mm-hmm. to, to give just the just the thumbnail sketch, um, DCG is really important, but mm-hmm. um, Dash will grow and morph and evolve. And we can certainly imagine a time when the trust would do other things. Um, but in the meantime, DCG is pretty important. So, you know, we have to pay attention to that
1: first. There'd also just okay. have to be some additional um, legal steps taken to do that. Because again, this the technical legal connection between the trust and the trust protectors in their role. And DCG is ownership of shares, right? So that's a formal legal transaction that took place. So the question would be, um, if we created um, additional corporations, private corporations with shares, and we granted those shares, would we grant them into the same trust? Like the diff has a not... Similar, but a somewhat similar structure, and there's a, there's an election by the network too, which is a really important connection. Um, but the the diffs uh, shares are not um, are not granted into the dashed out irrevocable trust, and thus don't have anything to do really directly with the trust protectors, right? So there'd have to be. This is if we chose. This gets to the question: like, do the trust protectors have a role? um, in the dash community beyond where we're actually legally obligated, which is to oversee and vote the shares of DCG as a, as a corporation and in particular control the board of directors. Right. So, um, the technical legal answer is no. Um, but we could certainly expand that as a DAO and say, well, we want the trust protectors to be dash protectors. Um, mm-hmm. that's what they call us dash trust protectors. Cause we are supposed to just be protecting that trust, um, and not dash protectors generally. Um, so we could expand it, but we might want to have multiple trust protectors, multiple trusts and multiple trust protector groups. Right? So it's uh, somewhere in there is the answer, but those are some of the things we have to think about. Yeah.
2: And I would just well, throw out a potential, uh, awesome aspect is Historically, a problem with the Treasury was we could not make an agreement with somebody like a contractor mm-hmm. and with signed contracts with expectations and repercussions because there was nobody on the Dash side that could sign that contract legally. Yes. So the best we could do would grant them some money and cross our fingers and hope we get a good outcome. And uh, a lot of times <laughs> we did not get a good outcome, you know,
0: or an the, outcome.
2: Uh, exactly. <laughs> and so if we had a legal entity that can sign contracts suddenly it's you know it's almost like a superpower that we could have actual contracts with actual consequences with people that are going to do stuff for dash maybe that's the dash trust
0: Mm. so on that note is this possible today or is it feasible
1: today which um well there's a technical legal question in here which is can um, we have an additional corporation grant it shares into the trust for oversight by the same trustee and mm-hmm. and trust protectors. I'm not a lawyer, of course. I don't think that the answer to that is yes. But that's a, just a specific question we would have to answer. If the answer is yes, well, then that get inter- gets interesting in that particular way because now we could have multiple corporate uh, share grants all under the same trust, all managed by the trust protectors. But probably what we'd have to do is then create parallel trusts um, all within the Dash community and beholden to the master network. That's the ultimate arbiter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so that'd be a nice problem to have too, because then are they just entirely independent? I mean, the diff and the, and the diff supervisors and the trust and trust mm-hmm. protectors are totally independent. We just operate side by side. There's yeah. no formal connection. Um, it's just kind of like, you know, declaration of peace and agreement to trade together and then it'd be peaceful coexistence kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, so probably we have to do it that way, additional parallel trusts and different sets of trust managers or trust supervisors, protectors, whatever we call it, but we have to ask a lawyer.
0: Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a reasonable thing to ask. Um, one question on that stuff though is can the trust today enter into legal agreements with contractors and stuff? So for example, this and this is actually like a real um I mean, your your phone your phone watch is very antsy to get to be done with this, but um, No,
1: no, mate. it's always antsy.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, for example, one thing I was thinking of because I've been sort of talking, you know, a lot of people in Dash have had a lot of ideas over, over the years and there seems to have been a two camps of ideas. One which is let's find our random little side project, side hustle, promotional whatever thing and try to get it funded and the other thing is let's wait for DCG to do just about everything of substance and over the last couple years that DCG does everything kind of thing is sort of like split a little bit and in so... Th- thinking there's a bunch of things that we've kind of a lot of us have brainstormed things that could help dash part of it is like decision proposals like the one dash lower the fee to one dash or like the should we move away from privacy or the hpmn debate or like a bunch bunch of stuff like that but there's other stuff like for example um the big question is the bit license right (laughs) which is Unfortunately, I did not know just how complicating not having a specific regulatory thing in one of the 50 US states would be for like all of Dash. And so it's pretty huge. Um, DCG is probably never going to have a budget to just start hiring a law firm to be able to do that. However, it's possible that, especially if the treasury were increased, you know, to be honest, but like it's possible that someone else could broker such a deal hire a law firm to get Dash a bit license and then try to open all those doors. In which case, some random person submitting a proposal, <laughs> that does not that's not legally binding. But if such a person were to work with the trust, not with DCG, but with the trust and say, can you sign all these agreements and documents with, say, a, a BitPay or a Coinbase or whatever to just say, like, in, we're going to do this for you, you do this for us, and it's in right. Exactly. And so then is that something you guys could then do,
2: right? The potential is enormous. Part of the problem is the other half of the equation. What do mm-hmm. the master notes want us to do with regards to X, Y, Z issue that could come up in the future, like a bit license and some, some law firm that wants to do that and uh, right now it is clunky and uh, inefficient and unreliable to determine the the feeling of the masternode community. So you know I'm hopeful that the one-dash proposals will be another means to get, you know, better at that. But you know, it's hard to do what the masternodes want if you can't talk to the masternodes as a group. And you know, most of them are anonymous.
1: Mm-hmm. So technically, yeah. too, um, I keep uh, the only reason I'm bringing in all these technical details is because I've been up to my eyeballs in 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 dash Dow legal paperwork for the entire last quarter. Um, yeah, of course, just because we had to kind of we had to dive deep and just really get things sorted out and and refresh and so forth. So, as far as the trust is concerned, technically speaking, it's the trustee that can enter into certain legal relationships, financial transactions, contracts, etc. Um, at the advisement of the trust protectors, but it's the trustee specifically. So we actually don't sign um, those sorts set those sorts of things up ourselves. But you it's amazing. Um, this is where crypto is a is exciting and a blessing and a curse all at the same time. So the, the prospects are still really exciting. So Joel, this is Joel, this is interesting for you because you've been still living uh purely on crypto for some years yeah. now really. so the th- so that's incredible but the fact of the matter is that like almost immediately um you run into all kinds of problems if you don't have a legal corporation
0: um, yeah paying which, a staff which is why I, right? I do now since last year i've been and here you go teach
1: hopefully teaching At other for, people
0: how to do the same
1: a corporation of one, right? Some kind mm-hmm. of legal structure. But yes. it, when you have a distributed team that's spread out all over the world, oh, my God, you'd be amazed. And very few people, even the purest of, of the diehards, right, can can survive entirely on crypto. There's just so much fiat that's needed to live. Um, so large majority of ECG staff is paid in fiat to do that you have to have bank accounts do that, you have to have corporation, you know, all this kind of stuff. So whether it's big things like a bit license or an exchange uh, and a contract with an exchange, um, you just cannot do that with something like say, the incubator, um, or just a pure dash funded organization, through the Treasury system, you you, which I love, by the way, having it, those at our disposal, and the, the fact that we can have those kinds of things. But At some point, you you're just frozen unless you can actually unless you have actual corporation, and then you have to have all these other accoutrements of the corporation too. So that's how all the pieces fit together.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Short answer: Yes. Like what Troy started with, we'll finish with (laughs) that. Yes, we can do all that. That was the details.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. Oh, there was something else I wanted to go over in here, which was um, the escalation protocol, which sounds pretty badass, but like, I don't know if it is. So uh, who wants to talk about, uh, it was mentioned, it was mentioned to me in a message about this escalation protocol. So you would mind telling a little bit more about what it is and what it does?
2: So uh, I have written up a little introductory piece, which will get published. Um, Mm -hmm. And people that are familiar with the Dash community historically, um, you know, it's kind of messy and uh, I mean, it was the first functional DAO and it's still the longest running DAO in the history of cryptocurrency. So I mean, we're in literally inventing this stuff. Uh, So we didn't know how to resolve problems. Uh, The Treasury does give us some tools. We can vote on things. Um, Is the vote binding? Depends on how you ask the question, and you have to just start defining terms. Um, But part of the problem was it was a community. So anybody that had an email address for Ryan or Cot or anybody else on DCG, you know, if they had a beef, they could just they could just go hassle them. And sometimes they were perfectly reasonable questions uh, and expectations, and sometimes they were not. Sometimes they were abusive and uh, nasty and, and not helpful at all. And, and so DCG got pretty uh, hesitant to respond to that because you know anybody could throw stuff at them. So the idea was conceived with the previous class of trust protectors and Ash Francis put in a ton of work to make that process systematic. So if anybody has a problem with anybody else in the Dash ecosystem, with DFOS Dash-funded organizations, there would be a protocol, you know. So instead of just uh, getting somebody's email address and telling them they're uh, a cut, they would have to go through proper channels. So, so that's what the protocol is. This escalation protocol is: Oh, what's your complaint? Well, you you tell the trust protectors, and somebody investigates if the complaint is legitimate. If the complaint does check out, then it escalates to the next level. And we investigate, you know, is there substance to it? And, and it becomes civilized and professional and no, much less name calling and much less chaos. So, And I'm sure Patrick could uh, that's, that's flesh that the, out a little bit.
1: That's where the fun is, though.
2: The fun and dysfunctional. Yeah, yeah, yes, of
1: course. We won't take the fun out. People can still try that. But at some point... Things have to be clear. It has to be something you can actually respond to. Can't be trolling and all of that. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just it's just going to be mudslinging, right? Hey, if I shared a tab, does that disrupt the recording? Is that even possible? Um, you could. So you could
0: do just a screen share to the rest of the of the hangout that we're in, the Jitsi hangout.
1: And I think yep. that, that would that would work. Let me just try it. Tell me if you can see my screen. Yeah. Looks good. Okay, so this is um, the Escalation Protocol, and this is some of the work that, I have to say it again, that Ash, Ash Francis just did um, yeoman's work on. And, um, but all of the content was really hammered out um, by the last class, and the current class of protectors has uh, continued on this. So it's a series of phases. I won't show the whole thing, but just to give people a sense of, and we're going to publish all this on uh, trust.org so that there's a single place to go, um to engage in this process and then so that the rules are crystal clear like like troy was describing so issue submission a zillion places where stuff can get submitted clarification so we we um, make sure that it's an actual addressable problem not trolling not some philosophical thing that that can't really be addressed Um, and then it just moves through a series of um of steps, and it's all objective and clear to all the parties participating in the process. We have to validate the issue, do some detective work. uh, Oops, um, expanded it a little bit there. Um, We have some discussion, and you can just kind of see, again, I won't go through the whole thing, but it goes all the way through to resolution. Um, So that is a little bit more on that escalation protocol um, that we're working on. So coming soon.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, that seems like a great source of clarity for, like, how things work. Also, a part of me can just see the weeping and gnashing of teeth from people who got correctly classified as trolling, but they're like, no, but it's for real, and there will be stuff like that. It just yeah. it is inevitable, but, you know, it's the, the price but, of
1: the Dow, right? <laughs> sure. So, but, like, let's say that you're doing something that some people think is trolling, but you think is legit what happens to it now, right? It dies somewhere in a forum, either in a discord channel or a dash, mm-hmm. the dash forum or somewhere it, it and and the, there's maybe back and forth, but that's as far as it goes. So mm-hmm. for, for all, and all issues get responded to that come through this process. So this is better than that. Even if you don't win in the end, you still had your day in court, so to speak, right? And it was given a full hearing and it goes through that entire process. And respectfully, so I, I use the term trolling. But we're never going to say, "Oh, get the hell out of here! You're a troll." We're of course going to be professional about it, but we might have to say, "Sorry," yeah, you're going to um, say, "Get the heck education. out of here! You're a troll." <laughs> <laughs> and the
2: the uh, the ultimate technical goal would be uh, a website where the person that submitted the issue uh, can see at what stage it is. And the people that are involved, you know, it's transparent. It's the definition of transparent. So everything is above board, everything is documented, and it would, it would just solve a lot of chaos and drama, which is yeah. not that productive. However much fun that might be, it's just not that productive.
0: And it'd be especially cool if this was a platform DAP and all this was on, recorded
1: on chain, and
0: it's literally the complaint
1: thing. <laughs> I know some developers. I got access, man. For yeah, RG. yeah. That exactly. That is. That's where it would would go next, and that would be just really great and efficient, and obviously mm. it would proves out. Um, it proves out platform and real world uses and all. That good stuff. Yeah,
0: and honestly, like I get that that's like a specific trust protector escalation clause kind of thingy escal- escalation protocol. Sorry, uh, but I think this would be fantastic for the actual governance side of things right because Absolutely. I, and part of it is um like i am quite i have to see you know gotta be careful exactly how i say it but dash central is not the most productive place in the world for engagement and a lot of times you just just get a lot of like sidetracked nonsense type stuff and like to get what people are really thinking it requires a more of an activist role as far as like a po owner to like seek out master nodes and seek out their counsel and, and weed through stuff rather than just this is what I want what do you think what do you guys think of this idea and then just there's just so much that's not like I think that's good or I don't think that's good there's so much like personal vendetta or like just like random like you know argument about something else and so obviously that whole stuff needs to be fixed but at the very least all this like discussion on this um i think could be monetized right and obviously not in like a annoying like paywall kind of way but in a if this is all on chain not not necessarily on l1 but if this is all you know through state transitions you update the state every time you do stuff then there's like platform fees being like credits being thrown around here and then you start to have a little bit more sustainability to the network rather than just the inflation based thing that we have today. And then what happens if there's a value in that kind of a thing, and then you start building out, like um, I think that, you know, maybe this is just a little too utopian right off the bat, but it'd be fun to create a, like just the discussion protocol, make it like really smooth and then start shopping out to all kinds of, um, other companies and things like that that are just like look if you plug into this dap thing especially if there's like a thor chain or maya whatever integration so if people can swap whatever their coins it's it's kind of like a spam filter where because people need some credits to engage but it's also like a very good documented public kind of discussion forum thing so that, that like the this could be an interesting thing that kind of gets piloted with the the escalation protocol then turns into a dap and then kind of goes on from there and then before you know it maybe Dash's killer app wasn't digital cash but it was enabling complaining online in the most streamlined way possible or <laughs> you never know. Govern,
2: govern governance in doubt yes so i always you think never about, know in, the, the in market state.
0: could decide something very different from what we envisioned
2: and uh, so so i'll just circle back and um, The immediate problem is it would be nice if we had better governance within the DAO ecosystem and all the players because it's kind of complicated and uh, has not run in a really optimized way before. And we think this would be a really useful tool because it makes it transparent and objective, and there's very specific guidelines. Uh, But I think a lot of people are unaware of how many things have been innovated by Dash and then copied by other cryptocurrency uh projects and there are a number of other DAOs of which we are the oldest and Mm -hmm. if this works i imagine why wouldn't what you know i think they're going to be snapping it up but you know hey let's let's walk before we run
0: yeah um all right so we're getting probably towards the end of this thing uh last call for live chat comments etc etc just let me know Anything else you missed? Um, ping on Discord, ping on the other stuff, and then as for you guys, um, start thinking of some some parting thoughts.
2: Uh, you know, shout out to the community. Uh, the communication thing was so bad in so many directions for so long. It's it has taken a while to develop new habits. So I just want to encourage the community. You know, if there's something you need to know, come ask me
0: yeah solar guy on everything and then I am Sigmund on everything and yeah that's some good stuff one last little um one last little thing because it's kind of current and I've been monitoring all the channels and a lot of discussion that should be happening in the live chat has been happening in some discord channels on the subject of the evo proposal question which is kind of funny and I kind of made fun of the triviality of this, but might as well bring it up because it is a governance type question. So the question was, should we use the name Evolution for the platform release? And that seems to be relatively straightforward. I think most people will probably say yes. You know, it was kind of, you know, Brian Taylor and his folks that moved to more calling it dash platform, but like the OGs seem to like a Evolution name. I like it, whatever. But the funny thing is, so you have a one dash proposal fee. And tradition states that you submit a request for one dash. It costs you one dash and you get the refund if the answer is yes. If the answer is no, you lose money, right? So this person put in a two dash proposal question. And the logic behind that was quite interesting and like reasonable, which is like, well, it's a 50-50 chance of yes or no, rather than just I'm going to either recomp or lose money for the privilege of answering this question. I want to kind of like, if I, if it, if it's right, I will get compensated for my risk. It kind of thing. And it it kind of makes sense. But then there's open this giant can of worms of like, well, it's not a discussion. It's not a, a governance question. If you ask for more than that and therefore blah, 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 I'm not going to vote for it. Oh, you should because of this. And like the question of like compensation for governance questions it's kind of interesting because there I have seen in the, the heyday of the 2017 era, some people ask governance questions and ask for more than the five dash back. Again, it was five dash in the day. And um, just off the cuff, what do you guys think of? Do you think it should be you only ask for uh, a refund? And if the correct answer to the question is no, you don't get the money back, it's like, well, that's the price of asking the DAO for questions or do you think they should ask for something? So if it is, yes, that it compensates them for the the potential risk. Or do you think that that would skew things too much in the favor of wording a question so that they're more likely to get the money from it if it's yes. And anyway, brief touch on that, that can of worms before we wrap this up and anyone else who has questions, make sure to jump it in.
2: So so I'll throw in the speed answer. Uh, I haven't formed an opinion yet. This is a fantastic problem to have. (laughs) We're having this conversation because no one has ever done this before. And this is a new governance tool. So I would encourage people to try it out and see what happens and see what doesn't work. And Dash is the innovator again. Yeah, what do you think,
1: Patrick? I lean towards, um, I don't like, um, how would you describe this messing with the whole incentive disincentive, uh, structure of human interaction. So like, um, eliminating loser, pay, loser pays in the judicial system, for example, mm-hmm. uh, I think that was a huge mistake. Um, anyway, so this kind of t- gets to that kind of a thing. So I lean towards, yes, you should have risk of losing some dash if um, if you're not careful about how you what you put into the into the treasury system the proposal system
0: Hmm. interesting well this is um, a definite interesting thing like the anti-spam filter keeps people from putting um, proposals in that are frivolous right or or too much um, but that's the risk, the anti-spam filter is still there if people don't like it. Um, I personally think you should just ask for the proposal feedback, And it's the cost of asking a network and say we get $2,000 dash and you have to spend a grand to ask the entire network a question. If you can't afford that and you can't crowdfund it, is it really that important of a question? If you can, if like it's no and you're out that much. But the big thing though, Ultimately my opinion on this doesn't matter. I'd like to give not an opinion, but an observation, which is the free market decides. Whereas if you do a one-dash proposal fee, if you do a one if you ask for one dash back, people are very likely to consider that as a purely governance question and vote accordingly. And there might be some small bias towards the way who who submitted it and the way they worded it and stuff, but mostly it's just the question. The higher that dash amount requested back becomes the less the decision plays into the decision, the actual decision in the text plays into their decision to vote yes or no. They might be like, yes, but screw this guy for asking for an extra dash, so no. (laughs) You know, There might be some of that. And if you ask for a thousand dash, zero dash no, because this is such an important question. No, 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 because people just think you're after the money. And so in that continuum, the free market will decide, and I do think that the, the one dash is the best way to get the purest answer. And if you start getting to two dash, people might be a little, I think two dash is the limit, right? If you start getting to three and above, people are like, you're trying to, you're hoping people answer this one way in order for you to profit. So therefore get out of here. That's, that's yeah. my, my observational opinion on this, but the free market will decide. It will tell us
1: yeah i'm with you i agree that having the market mechanism is a big deal Um, very very important this gets to another important issue though which is that voting is way 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 too hard voting with a dash masternode is roughly equivalent to like um ordering a, a mobile phone in parts and assembling it yourself and hoping it connects to the network and transfers yes. voice and data right so but you know, it's not that.
0: difficult yeah. is voting through CrowdNode?
1: you're not wrong and uh, yeah.
2: totally agree with patrick right uh, we have to streamline the process. We, mm-hmm. one of the topics the trust protectors are interested in is, uh, we're trying to dredge up data to see if there is actually getting to be less and less voting that because that could that could become problematic. Uh, and you know, part of that is just the structural problem of actually trying to vote. Uh, so we want to make the process uh, easier and more inclusive, uh, and, and it's a new tool and we're still, figuring
0: out how to use it yeah all right well this seems like a great time to wrap the whole thing up uh where can people find more about you as trust protectors but also as individuals
1: i'm on all the forums go Mm ahead well starting with trust protectors sorry to interrupt um dash trust.org www.dash that's the new site so that's going to be our online home. It's going to expand a lot. So find us there, communicate with us there. And then um yeah, as far as our individual profiles, I think I am Sigmund and Solar Guy are they were everywhere. Twitter, Discord.
2: Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm on all the forums very regularly. So they can DM me. They so we're not hard to get a hold of.
0: All of the above. All right, fantastic. Thanks for joining us, guys. Everyone, thanks for watching there's going to be another episode of the dash podcast in one month. I'm actually on a schedule now. It used to be every two weeks. And then they're just like too much like redundancy. So I moved to every month, but then it was like, I don't know when per month, but now the fourth Friday of the month, the last Friday of the month is a dash podcast. So look forward to it next time. I have not lined up the next people, but I have a few good ideas and obviously i'm going to try to do a when evo around one of these things so look forward to that now it's time for that glorious thing called the after party where people just come in this is like the real you know it's funny some people have actually gotten salty about the after party They're like, you think you got this exclusive you controlling all this power you're just super in club of and it's like, well, it's literally just like a couple people after the podcast that stayed around. It's an entirely an organic product, right? Where I did this podcast, some people like to hang around afterwards, and then it just ended up being like the, the power hobnob room or whatever, but also just a fun hangout. But anyway, if you want in on the after party, you go into the Dash Discord, the Dash Telegram channel, wherever, and ask, how do I get in the after party? Or ping me, you can DM me on Twitter, I don't care. Just ping me and say, how do I get in? And I'll let you guys in. And yeah, it'll be a good time. I will be in the after party. I got a um, have dinner and to deal with a flooded basement a little bit. So I'm not gonna be entirely on, on, on the after party, but I will be in and out for sure. So look forward to that. Thanks everyone for watching. Let me see any last um, comments and questions. Uh, Peter says, awesome. I'd like to end on awesome. Um, see Fair you guys you. around. It was a pleasure. Thanks. <laughs> together go well.
2: Anytime.
1: appreciate it.